Welcome to Tall Hungry Girl Talks. We are back for our third episode. I am super, super excited about this podcast because it's really, really personal for me. Um, It's about grief, uh, managing grief, getting over grief, um, going through the process of dealing with um, a sick parent and the grief and the loss that you feel with the changing dynamics of that. Um, So today I have joining me someone that I'm very, very excited about is Dr. Sapna Doshi. She is a director and clinical psychologist at Mind, Body, and Health, a therapy practice with locations in Arlington, Virginia, and Capitol Hill in D.C. She earned her Ph.D. from Drexel University and completed her doctoral internship at Duke University Medical Center. So welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. And I have to share the story of how this came about. Um, Over the past year, my mom has been really, really sick and in and out of the hospital. She had sepsis twice and, you know, things were, were really, really stressful. And so I wanted, I felt like this was such an important topic because I don't know anyone who hasn't experienced grief in their life. And so I reached out to Sapna, saying it right. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I was, I wanted to interview her. I wanted her to come on the podcast and I emailed her and explained to her what was going on. And, um, when she received the email, she actually was in the hospital, um, helping her mom who was actually going through a surgery at the time. And so I feel like our coming together is very serendipitous. Um, and so she can share not only her, her personal experience with, you know, knowing what I'm going through right now, um, and being able to relate to it, but also give, you know, her professional experience. And so I think that insight is really helpful. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, that was perfect timing, and I had a lot of thoughts immediately <laughs> as soon as you sent that email. Lots of things to talk about. Yay. Okay, so my I guess my first question for you is that my dad always tells me that you can never get over grief, that you have to get through it. And, you know, I hear so many times about when people avoid things that it manifests uh, in their bodies. My friend was telling me how... Um, just yesterday, actually, he was, you know, avoided dealing with the grief of his grandmother's death, and it um, manifested itself in, like, a thyroid issue for him. Um, Why do you think it's so important that people deal with it? Yeah, you know, when we go through anything emotional or traumatic, um, the body is responding to that emotion. If you think about from the perspective of hunters and gatherers, we're really glad that we have these warning systems built inside of us so that if there's danger, we start feeling emotions and it helps us run into action. And when we're kind of here in our everyday lives and there's no tigers or bears chasing (laughs) after us. um, Except for people in DC running (laughs) you over on the streets. Right, exactly. we can start experiencing, we can kind of get emotions and respond to them in similar ways where we just run away from them, we avoid them. And if we do that, we're teaching our minds that, you know, these are things that you should never face, that you should always be running away from. And then we we fail to really learn how to cope with it in healthy ways. 
And so if you imagine your whole fight and flight systems activated, it's affecting your body. There's hormonal changes. There's all kinds of things going on. Um, and that's prolonged. It's not just a short period of time. So it can really take a toll on the body if you're not addressing these emotions. Mm-hmm. So as you're going through um, this process of, you know, kind of, you know, with your mom and stuff like that, how are you as, you know, a therapist and then also you have this skill set, are you applying that to yourself or how, like, how has that experience been for you? Yeah, it's been interesting. I'm always on the other side helping other people through their emotions and their difficulties. And so when my mom was going through knee surgery, I started to use a lot of the skills that I work with my clients on. And so, um, you know, being really mindful and aware of what I was feeling in terms of my emotions, what I was feeling in my body, and really paying attention to how I was reacting to that. So often we just have emotions and we're responding in automatic ways. And we're not being thoughtful about how we're doing that. So kind of watching my mom go through her own pain made me feel pain myself and made me want to make it go away for both of us. Yeah. Um, But really pausing and thinking through, is that the best way to go about it in this moment? Uh, It's challenging. It's not easy. Yes. (laughs) Um, People handle grief in, in such different ways. Like one person may not cry for a few months after a loss and um, and someone else may, you know, nonstop cry for months. I think for me, I would go through periods where I was, I felt like emotionless, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel joy at the same time. So it was like kind of this like flat emotion. Why is this? Why are reactions so drastically different from person to person? Yeah, you know, I think it varies so much because, well, it can vary a lot from person to person based on who the person is that you lost, right? So if it's someone incredibly close to you or someone who's more distant, you might have different reactions. But I think also we all have different personality traits too. So some people might just be really reserved and more internalize their emotions. Other people are very expressive and are going to be talking about it and showing their emotions a lot. So some of it's just kind of who you are. And another piece of this, I think, is that, um, you know, we all learn to process emotions differently. Yes. So based on, like, how you grew up, what your household looked like in terms of emotions. Yeah. Some households, people just don't talk about emotions at all. And then others, there's, like a lot of expression of emotion and sometimes not in the healthiest ways. So some of it's just learned behavior. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, um, my dad was a counselor. He's a retired counselor. Uh (laughs) And so, and I'm a cancer. So we're just like naturally (laughs) emotional. Me too. And my father (laughs) and my sister. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. My two siblings. Yes. Um, and so, and, and I have, you know, a degree in journalism, so I'm a communicator by nature. And so, I recognize, like, I have to talk about things. And when I stop talking about things, I realize something is really, 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 really wrong. And I recognized, you know, as I was going through this this process, like, I need to start seeing a therapist Mm -hmm. because, um, like, this is, like, this grief is getting out of control. And so, you know, I, I started that process. But Oh, I mean, for people that may not be as in touch with their emotions uh-huh. <laughs> as me, how do you recommend people start? Like, because sometimes grief isn't necessarily as obvious. Like, 
for me, it's like I knew that like I was hurting and stuff like that, but I became very flat. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you don't know how much pain you're in because it's been like a slow burn. Like how, what are some of those signs? Some of the signs that like you're not you're, paying attention. Yeah, that to. you're like suffering. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I think any time that you might want to be looking at that a bit more carefully is when you're not functioning in the same way that you're usually functioning. Or yeah. You've lost interest in things that you used to enjoy doing. You're isolating yourself. You're if you're typically talkative and then you become um, less talkative. If it, if you kind of start noticing that you're off in yeah. some way like you're not your usual self or other people might point it out to you as yeah well. yeah those are kind of some signs and it can show up in terms of health like you mentioned earlier it could be like you're not sleeping well yeah you've got more headaches or yeah so how do you like what do you recommend for people to begin the process like how does one even go about dealing with grief like it's there's so many emotions and I think sometimes the main emotion is just pain. So it's like, where do you even start <laughs> down down that long rabbit hole? It is. A, it's a great question. <laughs> a hard one to answer. Um, but I, I think ultimately everyone can find their own way. But part of it is reconnecting with, in some way, the person in their memory. Um, and so it could be just starting to write things about memories you had with this person. It could be looking through old photos, um, listening to music that you both enjoyed together. And as you do that, you'll start to probably feel some emotions. And if you're not used to feeling them, just starting to pay attention, even in your body. Like, does my body tense up when these things yeah. are happening? Um, and I th I'm a big advocate of going and talking to someone, uh, <laughs> get it, seeing a therapist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's helpful, too. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and again, she is, works at Mind, Body, and Health. <laughs> so look her up. <laughs> um, also, though, like a lot of different, I think, too, therapy is cultural. And a lot of people, I think it's definitely coming around. It's cultural. It's generational and stuff like that. Um, I think my friends get sick of me saying, oh, you should go to therapy <laughs> because I really too, preach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not even a therapist. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I really do see value because when you start saying things out loud, you realize like how crazy things are. But what do you do? What, like, how do you I mean, because you don't want to force therapy down someone's throat or whatever. But how do you encourage like someone that's going through a hard time like okay maybe it's time that you see someone like how do you personally I know professionally but yeah. like as like a friend what do you yeah I mean it's it's hard it can be off-putting to some people and I think always coming from your own experience and really speaking from that and saying you know I've gone through tough times and whether it's you're suggesting it was really helpful for me to talk to a therapist or it was really helpful for me to open up to a friend and just talk about you know, what I was feeling in the moment um, and letting them know that either you're there for them or you can point them in the right direction. It is hard to uh, to really force people into it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think just like letting them know it's not, you know, it's not giving them resources and ex personal experiences to let them know that it's not like the worst, scariest situation in the world. Yeah. Um, can be quite helpful. Yeah. Um, so I think when people typically think of grief, they think of like just the loss of a loved one, like a death. And 
you know, for me, grief is also like the loss of a dynamic or the loss of a relationship. Um, so my parents, I mean, they're, they had me when, gosh, my mom was like 36. And so they've always been in a very parental role. Like n- not that like friend stuff that <laughs> the new age, <laughs> oh, my daughter's my best friend. No, my, mo- my mom was She's never, mom. <laughs> yeah, she was never my best friend. <laughs> and she will always tell me what she thinks yes. in, in a very non-best friend way, yes. <laughs> <laughs> which I appreciate. And so both of my parents, like my dad had cancer last year and then, you know, with my mom being sick this year, mm-hmm. it has, I mean, they're still my parents and they still, you know, have that role, but I think I've been experiencing a lot of like grief in the loss. I promise I wouldn't cry. I'm in good company, oh, right? Yes, that's right. Um, <laughs> that, that there's been like a loss of, um, that dynamic because it's, you know, I'm going down there next week to, you know, help her out. And my brother went and my sister went and I went a couple, um, months ago, but you know, there's, there's a shift in that dynamic of what was always, um, you know, kind of, you know, you're not the child anymore. And it's a little bit selfish because you're like, but wait, this, the whole world isn't about me anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't appreciate this. And then, yeah. you know, also like I have friends who, you know, parents have dementia and stuff like that. So there's that loss too of yes. like the person is still there, but their personality is changing. So can you talk to that? And like, how has that been for you personally? Yeah, no, I'm glad you asked that question because I was thinking a lot about that when I was in the hospital with my mom and my dad was there as well and just thinking about how they're getting older and how uh, the roles will shift at some point, you know. Um, and uh, it's it's really hard conceptually to try to understand how to balance those roles and it's hard for both parties, you know. It's certainly hard for the parent to give up that role and not feel like they're in charge yeah they're helping you um so uh, there's certainly grief and the the thing that we want to work most on around grief that I've been trying to really work on um it it is just the acceptance around it you know and really validating myself like this is sad yeah I'm missing this yeah being taken care of all the time yeah I'm not the center of the universe. Exactly. (laughs) I want to keep being that role. Um, So just kind of coming to terms with it and accepting that that's just how it's going to be, but also really honoring every emotion that I'm going through through that process and allowing myself to have that. Yeah. And you had talked too earlier about how, like, you know, in accommodating your parents, like, you need to do what's best for them and how it's like you saw that your mom was in pain. Yes. So what was like, what was that like? Tell me, tell me a little bit more about that. Sure. Yeah. So it's so hard when I see my mom in pain or anyone I love in pain. It, I think it's natural in most of us to want to go make that pain go away for them. And so, you know, you can be, when she was in the hospital, it would be overly, um, too frequently asking her hey do you need anything do you need this have you had enough water you know I think she ended up getting a little bit frustrated at times understanding exactly (laughs) like I can pick up the glass of water by myself um and so it was paying more attention to how I was feeling and how I was responding to it it was more 
an effort to make my pain go away and seeing her suffer. Yeah. But instead, that's not really what she needed. Yeah. So it's like pausing and asking her, like, what is it that you need? What can I do to help you? Please ask me if you need help. Yeah. Which can be hard for parents to transition yeah. to that role, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of, like, being able to tell their kid, like... I need help. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I know. I kept asking my mom, like, mom, do you need me to come visit? Like, mom, what's going on? And I mean, she was in so much pain that she really couldn't tell me what she needed. And so I was like, okay, I'm coming. Like, (laughs) and I think all of the siblings had to do that, but yeah, it's hard to kind of figure out like the needs and to, yeah. Yeah. It's a whole new way of communicating that you have to learn too. We've never really had to have that role. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. And I'm not a mother myself yet. And so right. yeah. <laughs> I really am like still the child. Like right. I haven't. <laughs> Same here. I'm the youngest in the family. Yeah. I don't have any kids myself. Right? Yeah. So it's a it's a big responsibility for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, I, you know, I like I mentioned before, I do have I would say it's it's kind of like almost a bad habit of like anytime people have a problem being like, oh, you should go to a therapist <laughs> like that. Because I don't like that is my way of kind of managing with grief because like I don't, you know, so for me, it's it's often hard to figure out how to help someone, like especially when someone passes or, you know, there is a diagnosis that's not good. Like, I don't know what to say. And I don't there's not necessarily like a playbook for this. Right. So what, how do you support someone that's going through like a really shitty time? Yeah. It's hard. And, and I, my default is always to go to this place of letting people know that you're there and you're always free to talk to them and point them in the right direction. Um, if someone's not willing to talk and doesn't want to get help, there's not a whole lot that you're going to be able to do to break through that. But if there's anything that you notice, and just kind of uh, voicing your concerns, like, I'm concerned about you, I'm seeing some things that are concerning, um, just letting them know that you care about them, that you're willing to do whatever it takes to help them get to the right place, and that you're there just to listen to Yeah. I always bring people food. Yeah. That's (laughs) super helpful, too. Tall, hungry girl. Yeah. I cook. Great recipes. Yes. So I always bring people food because that is like my way of showing love. And because I feel like people, you know, people always throw out these like, oh, let me know if you need anything. I think that's like total bullshit because no one that's going through like a death or something is going to be like, oh, yeah, I need X, Y and Z. It's like, no, they're just trying to like breathe and survive. And so like, do you like do you recommend that you like bring food or like provide like what ways of support can that are you know more gentle but like still letting someone know that you're there yeah I mean it it can be I think it's going to depend on the person you know because I can see bringing food as being potentially really really if me personally if someone brought me food all the time like, this is wonderful keep doing that that's super helpful I hate cooking um, but for other people <laughs> I think for other people it could be viewed as like okay now I have to entertain this person yeah that's why you just drop it off just I don't you don't you don't perfect. stay you just stay yeah. at the front door I think that's like a great way yeah. to kind of show support in a subtle way and like send a text message just saying hey I'm thinking about you yeah Dropping off food, I think um, if there's, like, things that they have to get done around the house or, like, 
pay bills and things yeah. like that. If you can chip in and help with those things, yeah. it's a huge relief for yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, it's like my sister and I were talking about this, how just like throwing out a blanket, like, let me know what you need. It's yeah. like, that it doesn't, it doesn't really work. Right. Well, it, it requires that the other person's willing to yeah. ask for it. And, and, no, and like nine times out of 10, people aren't. I just may not. Yeah. 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 So, um, so for me, I think this last year has been like, I feel like I have been deconstructed by grief. Um, and you know, I feel like just like I've been broken down. I mean, so many things have happened, um, to the point that, you know, I took some time off work to just really like reset and which has been so, so important. So I want to talk about self-help. Okay. But, but first, I want to talk about, like, I feel like grief can be used for good. And I know that sounds so crazy because it's such a loss, is such a painful thing. But, like, I feel like you can deconstruct to reconstruct. So for me, you know, for example, um, I was completely lost in my career and just like, what the hell am I doing? And now I feel like I realize that I have less fear because it's like I've been through the fire and just like it got it can't be worse than, you know, certain things that have happened this past year. And so I'm less scared to go after, you know, to start my own business, to start this podcast. Like, that was like a huge, yeah. (laughs) Like, what am I doing? I don't know, but I'll figure it out. And what's the worst? Fail? Okay. It's it's better than, you know, death and sickness and illness and all of that stuff. So like for you, have you experienced the same thing or how do you experience that with your patients in general? Like, yeah, I think when... Um, I, I certainly, when you were talking about the business, was thinking about my own experience in that and was terrified in the beginning, you know, but I think as you kind of go through things, whether it's starting your own business or going through grief or going through anything where the emotions are going to be up and down and really strong and powerful, your mind kind of adapts to that over time, realizing, okay, my life didn't come crumbling down. Yeah. Like I was able to get through it. Yeah. And that just tends to give us more and more courage. I see that with my clients all the time. The more, the less they avoid their emotions, the more they confront them and work through them. Yeah. They're ready to take on more and more challenges yeah. in their life. Yeah. I always, this is crazy, but I always see after someone has died, I always see people jumping out of an airplane. <laughs> what that phenomena is about but I really think it's yeah yeah, like I remember there was a death in my family and my brother like his um his wife was killed and he like jumped he went skydiving after that Uh and like I remember in high school I had a friend whose brother's brother passed and she jumped out of an airplane like she went skydiving and I I feel like it's like there's this like fearlessness where I think it's like part like I don't give a fuck, yeah. like whatever. Yeah. And then also like all the fears that I had before, they don't matter because I've been through the worst. Like what else can happen? Yeah. So it's. You become less scared of feeling scared. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you're like, oh, I've been through this. I mean, I think conversely it can it can be paralyzing. So I don't think that that's everyone's story. Right. Um, 
but I do think that like once you really are on the other side and you do start to feel joy and see the light again, like actually can appreciate the sun and all those, yeah. all those things, like there's, there's something to be said about like the reconstruction after grief. Absolutely. I mean, and not only that, but I think it helps you realize that life is short. You just never know yes. when things are going to change. So you have this, like, it shakes your mind up a little bit. Yeah. And like helping you realize like, We've got one life to live. Yeah. Let's take advantage of it. Let's enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think for me, I'm like on this like super like fast track to f- travel all over the world. <laughs> uh-huh. like, that sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. I was just in Toronto. I mean, it's amazing. Not the most financially responsible thing. <laughs> like, well, I hope I live past retirement because right now my budget's <laughs> it's a little shaky. But um, I was just in Toronto. I'm going to Georgia, you know, to visit my mom next week. And then next month I'm going to Bali. But I've just like wow. feel this urge to like maximize my time. Like I'm like so acutely aware that right. like life is fleeting. And two, I think my dad is a Vietnam veteran and he was almost killed by a mortar in Vietnam. And so I think growing up with him, he really always reminded me, not necessarily like vocally, but just, you know, just talking about his stories and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, uh, you know, emotions can paralyze us and if we're not dealing with them can keep us stuck in life. Yeah. So if we confront them and learn from them, go through them and get used to them, it can really free us up to do so many things. Yeah. Um, So, I feel like self self care is so important too. I think it's easy to just like dive into like being super busy and not dealing with any of your issues. Right. Which, you know, I have a tendency to be really, really busy. And my therapist said, do you think that you're busy because you're avoiding <laughs> things? I'm like, maybe. Why are you asking me this question? <laughs> That's a question I ask a lot too. <laughs> yeah. And I had to pause. I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe there's some truth to that. I mean, I, I like to think that I do deal with my emotions, but maybe there is some truth to that. So what is good self-care? I think routine is like for me, cooking like makes me feel sane. Like if I'm like at house, at my house watching the news, the nightly news, don't, don't judge me. <laughs> I'm a no journalist. <laughs> so the nightly news, cause that's right. what I did when I was a kid, like dinner <laughs> yeah, would be cooked and then, right. you know, the nightly news. And so it like, it just makes Absolutely. me feel so comfortable. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. As you said that I was just thinking for us, it was dinner and then wheel of fortune. And it's like, when I <laughs> yes. see wheel of fortune, I, there's just a comfort. That yeah. Comes <laughs> yeah. So do you have self-care recommendations? I mean that you do, do you have ones that you do or that ones you recommend? Yeah, I personally, um, for me, sleep is huge. I I like to prioritize that. I don't have the best sleep all the time, but I notice if it's getting off, I'll really make that a priority and try to get on a schedule around that. Um, Getting three meals in a day, snacks, um, exercising. Yeah. Yeah. And these are the things that I really recommend to clients as well in terms of self-care and communicating, whether it's through journaling or talking to somebody not making sure you're not isolating too much. Um, These types of things are critically important in terms of routine, mainly because they come back to your health, I think. And that will ground you through your day and give you energy for things. Versus like filling your day with 20 different things. Happy hour and this and that and the other. Yeah. Then you're not kind of making time for yourself to get in those routines that we all need to kind of function well. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, what else was I going to ask you? <laughs> <laughs> sleep. I actually had a sleep study last night because oh. I have sleep apnea. Oh, yeah. It was terrible. But I realized that that is like one of the areas. And, and everyone that I talk to does not get enough sleep. Like, how important is sleep? Do you see that with a lot of your patients that they're not? Because like your cells aren't able to recover. It affects everything. Yeah. Um, sleep's hugely important. It's almost the first thing I talk to all my clients about. It's yeah. Definitely a question I always ask everybody is how is your sleep? Yeah. Because that can affect mood. It can impact uh, memory, concentration, functioning. Yeah. All kinds of things. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people are not sleeping well just because of bad sleep habits sometimes. <laughs> just like sleeping on the couch in front of the television or... Um, you know, going through their like checklist, their yeah. to do list while they're in bed. And so there's a lot of things that we can do to clean up sleep and get on a schedule. It's just about making that a priority. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you recommend like people for me? I mean, I told my job, like I need to, you know, help out my mom and do this. And so I need to take some time off and I sort of didn't necessarily ask. I mean, I told and then waited for a response. Um, that's not necessarily a recommended method, but it's just more in line with my personality. Okay. Hey, um, but like, for you. yeah. Um, but how do you like? Sometimes I think it's important. I mean, people don't always have accommodating bosses, and especially in this hyper competitive Type A filled city like DC. Um, but you know, hopefully other people in the country are watching that right. aren't living in type A cities. How do, like, do you, do you recommend that people tell, um, their bosses when they're going through a lot of grief or like, do you feel like that can backfire? What, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? I think it really depends on the boss. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's not, um, a, a bad idea to share on some level that you're going through something and even if you're going through grief to just put that out there um I could see scenarios where it could backfire but I think ultimately cluing people in to understand that when you're going through something like that you're not going to be the top of your game you're not necessarily going to be performing at your peak and so just for them to understand that this is temporary and not gonna be like an ongoing thing yeah if it becomes an ongoing thing they can kind of also reflect that back and let you know yeah that that's something that might you know you might need to address in your yeah personal life. yeah okay okay <laughs> is there anything else that you wanted to add um no I mean I think this is a a really important topic that a lot of people don't talk about but just as you were talking about um self-care I always go back to this idea of like the planes going down and you put your mask on first and then you put the mask on the other person so um that reminds me of my horrible plane ride that I had oh no (laughs) (laughs) but yes Right. So I think uh, all of this is quite hard. So making yeah. sure that you're taking good care of yourself through yeah. this process is, is key to be able to then help the other people around yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, if your tank isn't full. Right. Yeah. You can't really do much to help anyone else. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much thank for joining you. Thanks me. for having me. Yes. This is great. Yes. Well, this um, completes another edition of Tall Hungry Girl Talks. You can find my other episodes on iTunes. 
Um, yes. So thank you so much, Dr. Doshi. Thank you. Okay. Switch and board.